what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and off to my right on the visual screen here is my brother, Brian Jackson. Brian, how you doing? It's been a while. Well, it, it has. I've been I've been logging in every week for the last few months, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, keep hoping that you show up. And uh, sorry, you know, we uh, yeah, I haven't seen you. Haven't seen you. Haven't I talked really, to you. It's been weeks, man. I really should have dropped you a note or something to let you know these last four or five weeks that we weren't going to record. We were taking a little break, but I, I mm. guess I assumed you kind of picked up on that after a while. I, I don't know. I had so many suggestions I wanted to give and uh, yeah. yep, just talked to my computer myself. And so, <laughs> well, thank you for being persistent, Brian, and still checking back in, even though I think it's amazing that here we are recording on a different night of the week and you still found your way here. Well, so I've, I've been in there every night. Okay, you just hopping in here, waiting to see when I'd show up and we can record an episode. So, yeah, so ooh, really ooh, he's here. He's here. Yeah, that's really sweet. Uh, that's great. Well, well, it's good, man. I'm I'm glad to to be back at this. It's uh, yeah. it's been it's been a long time. Well, we're changing things up a little bit. All of our usual watchers, uh, you know, we put this out live, but a lot of people watch it after the fact. Uh, you know, we're putting it out on Sunday night. It's a little different, even nighttime. And we're doing a little later, uh, hour-wise, a little about an hour later than normal. Just trying to change things up and trying to accommodate some schedules on, on our ends as well. So it just seems we'll see how this goes as far as a, a live recording time. But you know, we're still putting this out as an audio podcast uh, this week, no matter what. Um, yeah. And uh, something else we're going to kind of throw out to everybody, too. We're, we're Since they, we took a little break, we did some soul-searching. We did some kind of reevaluation. You know, I was sitting out in my Zen garden, kind of just, you know, really waiting to hear the messages of what we should do with our show and what kind of yeah. any changes yeah. we need to make. And uh, it came to Again, us. Again, that would have been really good to know as well. So I, I was oh. sitting here waiting to continue and you're you're out reinventing the show. So. <laughs> I'm definitely reinventing and you're just, you're just ready to go with <laughs> the same old, same old. But we are... Um, you know, we've always talked technology on the show. We get together, we talk about different forms of technology. We've tried to be fairly universal with our technology, even though you're know, talking about all different computing platforms and all different uh, uh, makers of different computing devices. But we've always said, and we've always kind of somewhat apologized for it. It's like, we're still going to lean a little heavy on the Mac and Apple side, because that is where you and I, Brian, both live day to day. <laughs> We are Mac users, we are Apple product users, and we find ourselves just talking more and more about Apple and Mac products when we get together on the show. So we have made a decision that you know, going forward, uh, we're still a, a tech show, but we're really going to go ahead and stake our put our stake in the ground and say we are a Mac Apple kind of centric show in what we talk about. Yeah, um, we're leaning in. We're leaning in. We're leaning right? in. We're just we're going for it. We're saying we're this is who we are accept us for who we are. We hope you will. Um, it doesn't mean that we're only going to talk Apple and Mac products, but we want to talk right. about the kind of the, the, uh, the computing lifestyle that surrounds 
Apple products and Mac products. So we're still going to talk home automation. We're still going to talk uh, streaming services and uh, entertainment channels and other things with technology. And a lot of the technology we talk about may be things that could be used on Windows or Linux or other systems as well. But we're we're saying, you know, this is primarily going to be Mac and Apple discussions, or at least that be the core foundation of what we're talking about, just because that's where we are. It's where you and I, Brian, spend our time is what we know best. Uh, they always say, you know, if you're going to do something like this, uh, make it about something you enjoy. And we, we, we like talking about Apple and Mac products and software and, and ways that it can impact our world. So we, uh, we're just going to focus on that. No, nope, I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, I'm all in. And, you know, we are not sponsored by Apple, although we are totally up for that. Yet. Um, that's right. We're although totally up I'm, for that. Hold up. Uh, it, they did send me in the mail my Vision Pro, so I'm going to go ahead and pull that out if that's okay. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Why, don't you, they just, why don't you hang on? Yeah. They, they you hang on and wait. Talk wait, about wait, it. Wait. Can we, oh, you want me to wait and bring it out later? Yeah, why don't you wait? Why don't you wait okay. just a little bit? Let's not totally, you know, derail into that. Oh, let me put it yet. back in its box. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's back. We'll bring it out later. Um, so now with all the preamble stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about what we're going to discuss today in this episode. Uh, Apple had their Worldwide Developers Conference uh, just last week. Um, this is their big annual event where they invite developers from all around the country and world to come to their headquarters. And they do a, a program to showcase all of the new products or system updates that are going to be coming out in, in the next few months yeah, uh, between now and really the end of the year. So we're going to hit those. We're going to talk about some of those updates here, but also there was a new product, a new, actually a whole new platform that was introduced at this event that we're going to cover later in the episode as well. Um, something that was very heavily rumored and heavily expected and it did come true in, in the worldwide developers conference. We're going to talk about the headset. Everybody's probably heard about it, but we're still going to talk about it and dissect it a little bit, a little bit later in the show. But we want to talk about some other really interesting and exciting and kind of noteworthy updates first that Apple announced. So, Brian, right off the bat, just for anybody who's never watched one of these keynote presentations that Apple puts together, it's not like it used to be where it was a live performance and back to the Steve Jobs day where just put on a real great show and a live audience. These are all now pre-recorded videos that basically when people come to Cupertino to the headquarters, they're sitting and watching a screen at a, at a, at a venue. And uh, just like we are at home watching it live on the, on the, on the internet. Um, I don't like them as much. I mean, I, I miss the in-person yeah. yep. presentations, just something about them. were just so much more, I don't know, so much more enticing, but I do agree that with a list of things like what they announced at this one, it would have been a little challenging to do all of this yeah. in a in-person yes. on stage keynote. That right? would have been a that would have been a three three and a half hour yeah. keynote easily. As right? it was, this was a two-hour video, still pretty long yeah. in terms of a yep. video presentation to watch. Um, but they uh, they they jumped right in first up with talking about some new hardware. So Brian, let's just kind of hit what they announced on the hardware side. What they mentioned? Yeah, because I don't know about you, Alan. I'm not. I mean, it's. I don't. Th- I think this was probably the least exciting of the yep. announcements that they made. Um, but still, good to know that there is. You know, the the hardware is continuing to move forward. There's a a new MacBook Air, uh, which is coming out as a 15 inch MacBook Air. 
um, which mm -hmm. I think is exciting. It's a great look. It looks a lot like the kind of MacBook Pros that have come out recently. Um, you know, the, they've kind of gotten rid of the uh, the bezel design or the you know kind of angled design of uh, of the Air to try to to make it super slick up front and. Uh, and I think it's it's good. I mean, obviously the the hardware that they put into this is going to be incredibly snappy um, compared to the uh, previous airs. So you've got the M2 chip, which is mm -hmm. going to be nice. the The battery life obviously is really good for well, uh, this kind of device. Yeah, and that's just so everybody's aware too. That is really one of the biggest selling points of the MacBook Air. It is the number one selling laptop in the world as far as an individual skew branded mm. laptop it is the number one selling laptop doesn't look mean you're coming with the, with stats look at you yeah, look at me i'm on, prepared. Some research um and the reason it's, it's such a, a a strong selling laptop is the price is pretty good for a mac laptop i think they started right. um what they say uh 1099 yeah i was gonna say well no the 15 in, 15 is at 12.99 15 inches okay. 12.99 yeah. Um it is super light, 18 hours of battery life. That is really the reason people buy this is yep. it's a powerful laptop that's super light and easy to carry and it lasts all day and into the night easily. So the MacBook Air is a is a great machine. Um you pretty much have the MacBook Air or you on the laptop side or you have a MacBook Pro. That's kind of right. your two your two sides now. So the Airs for anybody who doesn't need a Pro they don't need quite the heavy duty side of the pro, but they yep. still want uh, a good, good Mac laptop. And this is absolutely a good one for it. No, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's great. If you don't need some of the peripherals, if you don't mind dongles, if you're, you know, wanting pretty much to be something that you're carrying around and going to, to, to meetings with going to, to work on the bus, that sort of thing. This is, this is the form factor for a Mac. This right? is it. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Yep. And now with a 15 inch screen, it's a, you know, a little more viable for some people who really wanted that larger screen and was kind of forced to have to go with a MacBook Pro to get the larger screen up until. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Right. Loves, love seeing the, uh, uh, the MagSafe, you know, continue to be brought yeah. back. I know that's there for the, the Pro recently, but, um, you know, for a long time they were doing the, the plug in USB C, mm -hmm. uh, which, I just, I love the, the magnetic power that, Agreed. you know, something this light that you're going to be moving around a lot, you know, it's just smart to have. So, yeah. so no, I think this is a, I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's good, good to have that form factor continue. Uh, and I think they've hit a pretty good stride with that. There's also right. the Mac studio, uh, yeah. which was the, you know, Alan, I don't have any experience with the Mac studio, um, mm -hmm. but I think it is kind of the, the professional version of a Mac, but not to the crazy extreme of the Mac Pro, which we'll show yeah. in just a minute. Um, I, I think what they realized with this, and we're going to talk about the Mac Pro in a second. When we say Mac Pro in a moment, that truly is the term professional for that is really a very, a, a much smaller subset of people, people doing yeah. some extremely high-end computing work. The studio, the Mac Studio is... I mean, honestly, if I wasn't a laptop guy, this is the computer I would be using. Yeah. I'm, you know, producing video work. I'm producing graphic content. I'm developing and producing media. This is a great desktop computer for doing that. Um, 
And it has, you know, like a smart media card built in the front. It's got USB-C ports all over the place, uh, tons of connectivity on the back. And it's kind of what you want from a good, solid, a desktop, powerful computer. And it is super fast with the M2 chip, both the Max and Ultra version you can choose from. Um, yeah, performance-wise, it's great. No, it's not the Mac Pro, but not... Right. Not a lot of people need the Mac Pro. This is for yeah. everybody else. And this has been a pretty good selling computer for them. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's it's good. Um, I still, I'm still a bit confused by the lineup, right? I mean, you've got... So if you're going for a desktop and you're not going for the all-in-one iMac, you know, that's that has mm-hmm. the screen and everything as well, you've got the Mac Mini, yep. okay, which is has recently been updated, um, which is still a great device. You've got the Mac Studio, which is kind of the amped up Mac Mini, right? Yeah. It's the same form factor, but larger. It's got more ports. It's got it's it's basically beefed up since neither one of those were expandable. Right? Neither one of those would you be adding new cores to? Would you wouldn't be adding additional hard drives except external? And then you're going all the way up to the Mac Pro. So the Mac Mini and and Studio still kind of confused me a little bit. It's almost like the pro version of the Mac Mini, but yet that well, Mac Pro is the real kind of like that's the one that people. Well, I think that's if you're that was the whole exchange, reason change things. I yeah. think that's the reason they brought out the Mac Studio is because there was such a basically on the desktop you had your Mac Mini, you had the iMac, which I still think is kind of on a camp on its own. That is a yeah. all in one. Yeah. That is just a right. singular purpose one stop shop. Sure. Right. But you had your Mac Mini, and then you had this huge gap all the way to the Mac Pro. Yeah, it's like okay, that's where the studio fills in. I feel like it's comparing it to the laptops. The Mac Mini is the MacBook Air. The Mac Studio is the MacBook Pro. Okay, we don't have an equivalent for the Mac Pro on the MacBook Pro laptop, but that's okay because I think that kind of level of work you're going to be doing on a Mac Pro, there's not really a laptop equivalent. That form factor is not going to do it, right? Right. Yeah. So that's kind of my feeling of we've got five quadrants of of desktop or laptop computers, three on the desktop side, two on the laptop. But that Mac Pro, which, you know, here I'll go ahead and just flip it up since we're talking about it. The Mac Pro is kind of in a class of its own. I mean, and and also it's it's that way because of price too. It's $7,000. There is not many people that need this level of computer, but the people who machine. do need it, they know they need it and they'll pay the money to get it. So, right. Um, so yeah, nobody listening to the show, I'm going to guess right now is probably in the Mac pro market. I mean, we're not, I'm not right. in the Mac pro no, market at no all. Way. Nowhere near it. Um, but I'm just happy that Mac continues to have a great array of products to fit different needs. I really do. And, uh, and they're all on the uh, Apple Silicon chips now, meaning every computer they're selling right now is powered by their own chips. They have phased out the use of the Intel chips on all devices. I think the Mac Pro was one of the holdouts for a while. It was still the Intel chip. Now they've rolled out the M1 ch- or the uh, Mac, the Silicon, the M2 chip for the Mac Mac Pro. So now their whole line, laptops and desktops, are all powered yeah. by their own Silicon chips. And that's just great news, right? I mean, there, there's no downside to that, right? I mean, and for, for Mac users, that is exactly what you want. You want the yeah. everything to be kind of designed with performance in place. And, yeah. you know, they're they're making their chips to do what they want their systems to do. So that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's hardware. I mean, like I said, Brian, like you said, it's not 
we won't spend a lot of time on it, but they did have some good products come out. Nothing revolutionary that we've talked about yep. so far, but yep. let's move on to talk about software updates because that's where I think we have a lot of. Yeah, this is where a lot of stuff happened. Um, yeah. And for people that were super excited about the the possibility of the headset and all of that, this I think probably caught some good attention or maybe some people might've overlooked some of the, the cool things that came about here. But, mm-hmm. you know, we basically had OS updates for both the Mac or for the Mac, for the iPad, for the watch and for the phone. Um, I guess there was a little bit of an update on the Apple TV, but that was kind of built in with some of the yeah. other stuff. But sure. um, so I think let's focus a little bit on kind of for me, Mac OS, um, there was some cool things here, uh, not earth-shattering not things. No. Yeah, I wasn't seeing things that were going to make my life a lot different. Um, some of the things I do think were pretty cool, Alan. Um, I don't know. I, I I really like the idea of the video conferencing, uh, but that was just an enhancement piece. Um, I'll show that here. Yeah. Here we go. So the idea with the video conferencing, just to make sure I'm right on this, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong here. The idea is that they've built in a, a technology into the Mac operating system that when you are using a, a camera to conduct, be a part of a video conference, and I'll go ahead and say this is not just on FaceTime, which is Mac's own right. video conferencing. This would apply to Zoom and Teams and anybody else you should use. It gives you some capabilities to use a presenter overlay. So the idea that you could actually have your screen, if you're sharing like a presentation or your desktop screen, you could actually have it behind you. So it actually knows how to key out your body and put your screen behind you. So that is actually what people would see on the other side of the zoom or FaceTime call Um, or doing like over here on the right, doing a picture in the corner of your presentation. Yeah. So some of those effects that, you know, you might be able to pull off in certain video conferencing apps with some plug-in tools and other features, but this is native built into the Mac OS now. So you can no, use I it think on it's any video conferencing slick. platform. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're exactly right. The the fact is we're, what it's doing is creating a new video stream, right? I mean, the video itself, which is coming from, you know, your Mac or uh, your the the Apple side, that could be fed into zoom is just going to have a lot more options to it. And I think that that's pretty cool. I mean, initially when this first uh, was presented, I was thinking, Oh Lord, they're going after zoom. You know, they're going to have mm-hmm. to try to take over, uh, take over for zoom. And then they said, and this can be used in all of those platforms, which I think is fantastic. Well, um, I'll tell you, Brian, I, I know you and I are the same in that we're, we still have a lot of zoom calls or teams meetings and all that. Yep. I think this is super smart that Mac put this as a kind of a universal for any video conferencing app that you use on the Mac, because now when we jump onto a call and we start using these effects, everybody else who's not a Mac user yep. is seeing this is like, what, how are you doing that? Yeah. And yep. how can I do that on my end? And the answer is, well, you know, if you have a Mac, it's built in on the new system. Yeah. This so be um, super slick. It's a good promotional tool, I think, for Apple to show because it is obviously you're interacting with a lot of people that many of them are not going to be Apple users. And that's uh, fun to show them those technologies. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. So I thought that that was exciting to me just because I I do spend so much time on those meetings that that anything that can kind of enhance the usability of that, I think, would be great. Yeah. 
Um, now there were widgets also. Is that we mentioned? Yeah. That really quick? I'm yeah. trying to find the widgets on the uh, the screen here. I know they mentioned it, it somewhere. Oh, here they there are. There we go. Yep. So widgets to your desktop. I, I actually think there's some good value here. Right now on the Mac operating system, you can have widgets that kind of pop out from your side. If you slide over to the side of your screen, you have a little pop-out tray, and these widgets are like your world clock, your uh, calendar widget just to show you upcoming things, maybe a photo widget showing you recent photos or weather. So these can actually now be added right to your desktop, not having to wait to be accessed by using a slide out panel yeah. on your side. So you can arrange them and place them on your screen wherever you want them to be. What I thought was nice too, is that from what I've saw in the demo and what they described, again, we have not played with the software to know uh, how it works exactly. But what they're saying is that if you are interacting with another application on your desktop, like if I have Microsoft Word open, these widgets that are on your desktop will kind of fade out and be a little muted or maybe kind of like black and white or grayscale. And then when you come back to your desktop and roll over, they kind of be, pop up again. So they're not going to just float and be in your way and kind of be prominent while you're doing other things on your computer. Yeah. Um, yep. So, which is something I would expect Apple would do, make it kind of where, um, you know, they're there, but they're not going to overwhelm you. Oh yeah. Here's right. a good example on yep. that right there hand side picture where you see them just kind of ghosted out or grayed out when you're using another application on your computer, which is great. Well, to me, I'm, I'm really excited about this because I don't know about you, Alan, but my my menu bar has gotten, gotten completely overloaded, right? I've got mm -hmm. so many things up in the menu bar that I use for information, you know, weather, uh, battery life, uh, uh, calendar, upcoming things. Mm -hmm that this now provides just another way of having kind of your dashboard, right? And that's the way I'm looking yeah. at it. I want I want my computer to be my dashboard. When I jump on it, I want all the information accessible without having to, to move around and do a lot. Um, so this is this is going to be helpful. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like sticky notes was for a while mm -hmm. where they would allow you to put them around and they would kind of stay there. But I think it's going to be nicely done. In, in a way, think of it as you're really changing desktops, Right, your desktop image now has information capable yeah. for it. So when you look at your desktop, you're getting a lot more information out of it, which I think is uh, which is great. So, but I think you're right. There wasn't tons more on the Mac side. No. It was uh, some gradual, nice enhancements, but there was no show stopping. Wow, this is huge. This is big news on the Mac OS. So, I do you feel like it's a little bit of a light year on updates for the Mac yeah. OS this year? Yeah. Um, Let's flip over to iPad. Let's talk about iPad OS. So also here, a few updates that are iPad specific. I know we're going to hear most of the updates that are applicable when we get to iOS yeah. here in a moment. But on the iPad itself, Brian, there were a couple of items there. The lock screen. Tell me tell me about the lock screen. What, what's happening with that? Well, I think they're they're taking the kind of the, the first step um, that the iPhone took recently, yeah. which is to allow you to have information on your lock screen. So when you pick up your phone before you even unlock it, you can still see information, your upcoming events and all of that. And we're pretty limited with those right now. What do we have? Two, two, but maybe up to four if you do the small ones or something like that that you can put on your iPhone. Yeah, if you do the small, small little small little uh, widget, you can do four. Four, yeah. Or else you do two blocks. Yeah, I mean, it's very right. limiting. But it's a small screen. I get it. That's that's what yep. they gave us room for. As you can see, even from this screenshot I'm showing, the one with Saturn on it, there are at least one, two, three, four, I, I count six widgets on there yep. right now. 
So there's going to be a little more real estate to put in some different some different widgets on the on the lock screen. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's good. I, I I will say that I am not. I don't use my widgets on my phone nearly as much as I thought I would. Yeah. Um, I thought Same it would here. be like this is great. But I think until they open it up to you, you can do a lot more and you can reconfigure that lock screen to have, you know, five or six different things on there that you you like, then it's not going to be as useful. So it may be it may become more useful on the iPad. Um, I thought that um, this is what I was going to mention. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, again, go. the widgets on the, the little lock screen is fine, but I think we found with the phone, I don't use the items on my lock screen as much as right. I thought like you. However, having widgets, interactive widgets on the home page home screen. of the yeah. iPad, that starts to get very interesting to me because mm-hmm. what you can basically do at this point is turn your iPad into almost like a status board. Yeah, like uh, a control center when you open mm-hmm. it up. So it's like have every widget up there. Like if you've got your music widget and you just want to play music from it, you've got your weather to view. You've got like your home kit. Uh, different yeah. buttons if you wanted to kind of flip those on and off. And there, I thought you would get excited widget. about that. Yep. Yeah, it's not just a widget that opens up the home app and goes to it. It's no, I can actually turn on and off lights from the widget mm-hmm. on the dash on the uh, home page of the iPad. So you know, there's a lot of times, Brian, where I mean, that's all my iPad is is basically a, I just kind of use it as a I need to get quick hit information and I'll go to a web page or I'll go to an app to get it if I could just open up my iPad and already have my home screen configured with all these different widgets. And that's where I spend 90% of my time on the iPad. That's a, I could see that use application pretty easily. No, I think it's great. I mean, and, and the examples you're showing here, and I know people that are listening aren't uh, able to see this, but right, you know, sure. the, the visual example here has reminders, has, you know, the home, turn your light on and off, has music, has weather. I mean, the idea of reminders, right. So that, sure, it's great to show me here's what you have to do. But if if I want to check those off, I don't want, I really don't like the current setup of, well, I touch it, I go to reminders, then I start working with it. If it's simply a touch it, right, and touch it and check it off, I need to be able to do that. So I'm super happy that the interactivity of those widgets is being useful now as opposed to simply just a, a gateway to get to the app. Um, right. So, yeah, I think exactly. this is going to be. That's going to be big. And we'll go ahead and say this is also capable on iOS, right? Yeah. We, we, you know, you can obviously put widgets on your homepage or on any page on your phone now, but they were never, what would they consider to be truly interactive? Yep. Which is what's now available on iPad and iPhone. And iOS, yes. I think it's going to be a lot more visibly interesting on the iPad just because of the real estate you have to work with. But yeah, same functionality is on your iPhone as well. That's yep. great. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I, I personally think I'm going to use it even more on the iPhone, right? Just being able to see something like sure. reminders and uh, all of that. So, I know I, you wanted to mention a PDF, and I'm looking to yes. see. Oh, here we go. PDF there you go. Notes. Okay. So, Brian, what's going yeah, on with PDF? So I had. IPads? I tell you, I was excited about this, but also a little bit sad because I, I find that I'm. For me, I do a lot of PDF work, and that I'm getting signatures on PDFs. I'm, you know, getting contracts set up and DocuSign and all of these uh, processes that I've worked with in the past. And it seems like every year there's been another way of doing it. You know, another company's doing it, Adobe's doing it, and then DocuSign's doing it. And then, you know, Google started doing it. Well, Apple's doing it as well. And, and just knowing how Apple does things like this, 
it's going to become more of a standard. Um, so what's really nice is they're allowing kind of you to set up uh, fillable PDFs, you know, which mm-hmm. pretty much Adobe had kind of the market on for a while. Uh, you know, Adobe was allowing you to create boxes for toggles for, you know, so if you're asking someone's name, they could type it in. If you're asking for them to do a drop down and choose, you know, the, the grade level that they're in. So now you, uh, uh, Max allowing you to do that even in preview, uh, which is great. Um, I am a little wonder, I, I'm concerned about the, the cross-platform nature of it. I'm still going to need to see it in action. You know, if I send sure. one of these to someone with a PC, mm-hmm. what happens? Someone opens it in Adobe. What happens? Uh, is it going to work? Cause I know it doesn't work the other way. I know when Adobe sends me something and I open a preview, they don't operate the same way. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm excited. Obviously, I I wanted us to bring this up in iPad, even though it's available in Mac and as iOS as well, because I find that having the pencil and you know that form factor of the uh, the iPad is where signing things, creating those documents, filling those documents out, I think really becomes you know incredibly useful. So so I'm excited about that. I I can't wait to see it in action and see if it really does live up to what I think it yeah. could be. So. Well, I think that's some, there's a lot of other iPad updates, but those are ones we found to be fairly notable and interesting. Now, a lot of the things we're going to talk about here in the iOS update in a moment, many of those will apply to the iPad. That's one thing I did notice about how updates are happening this year. And I think last year was a little bit too, is it used to be that there was updates for the iPhone, updates for the iPad, updates for this. And you're seeing a lot more of those blend together and where it's really a universal like platform wide update that just happens to be affecting iOS and your iPad OS, which is nice. I like it when they all operate together and they have the same functionality across the devices. I never liked it when there's a feature on the phone that's not available on the iPad or vice versa. I like to see a little more parity and they're getting closer with it this year for sure. Um, Now the watch the watch did get some updates. The latest version, OS uh, Watch OS 10, they yep. announced. Um, and Brian, there's a whole nother way, kind of a new interface or new way of operating the watch that they introduced, which are calling the Smart Stack. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't thought through this um, and really kind of dug into some of the specific use cases. But it seems to me that what they're trying to do is make it easier for you to get the information that you need to get and also get additional information from what you normally could have gotten from a static situation. So, you know, Alan, what you're showing here is, you know, currently for those who have uh, an Apple watch, you know, if you press the, uh, the long button on the side, you end up getting kind of your, what, what do they call that, Alan? That's your, your cards or something. Your, it's like your um, app switcher kind of. Uh, app switcher, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you scroll through it and you see like little cards of all your apps that you wanted, almost like your favorites, right? These are the ones yeah. I want to get to quicker. Or recently, or ones you've recently accessed or something like that, right. I think, too, yeah. The problem with it has always been that to do that, I mean, you're going away from your home screen, you're going away from the actual watch itself, and now it looks like they're trying to integrate that with kind of portions of the uh, of the watch face. So, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have these switchable, you know, kind of scrollable, uh, little cards for your apps that 
only take up about half of your watch screen. Right. So I can still see my time. I can still see my date, but yet also scroll through uh, what's uh, what I want to get to. So I think yeah. that's that's a much better interface when you start interacting. I mean, that's why those complications were really important when you started getting buttons that you could do on your home screen because nobody wants to go away from the the watch in order to try to find what you want. They want to be able to go to those things quicker. So I think that's... Yeah. I think that's a really good move. I don't know if it's perfect yet. Uh, I still think they could do a little bit better with that, but um, but it's certainly better than what we have right now. So, uh, biking, along with cycling came new, up. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was going to say, along with rolling out that new interface, they they spent a lot more of the time of the updates talking about things that are very uh, activity driven, like yep. cycling, and then talking about hiking as well. Cycling had some new enhancements to make it to where you can now be tracking. Uh, you know, your metrics as you're, you're on a bicycle, which um, yep, it's got kind of different uh, power zone workout views put together for that, which uh, all very well, good. Uh, you know, I think for yeah, let me just, cyclists, there's some good opportunities there. Well, let me just say in that, that they are really, I think, going after Garmin now. So okay. Garmin's been the leader of this for for years, right? They've been the leader in terms of the, the fitness watches, the outdoor watches, especially even the cycling, uh, cycling computers. And one of the, the beauties of the Garmin was that you could get all these other external devices. You could put something on your uh, on your pedal, mm-hmm. which then measures the revolutions and it sends that information up to your watch. So now I'm getting not just like how far have I gone, but how many how many you know cycles did it take me to get there? Right? How fast am I pedaling? Well, now Apple is starting to open that up a little bit, so it's going to have the ability to read from these other external devices, and that's just. Yeah, makes makes this an actual cycling watch, whereas before it wasn't a cycling watch. You could do it for cycling, but all you were going to get was heart rate and distance, mm-hmm. and that's not what cyclists really want. They want, yeah. you know, rate rate of cycling, the pedaling, the, the you know, all of this. So, um, so I think that's good. That that opens that up. I was really excited about the hiking because I thought there was some yeah. super unique, cool things here. Alan, do you? Want to chat about that? Yeah, they definitely seem to lean in more on the hiking side. I'll tell you a couple of things that stood out right away. I think, A, they have announced the ability to download some maps for mm-hmm. offline use, which means that as you know, you're hiking, you I know that's kind of covered in the maps a little bit later, but it is something that applies to yep. here. So that way you actually have trail information downloaded kind of on your phone available to you or on your on your watch available to you. And that the whole trail integration, you know, I use an app called All Trails right now. Whenever I go anywhere and I track any trails, it has all the information about how easy it is or how much time it may take to do the trail. Well, now Apple's rolled out a platform for tracking and collecting all that trail information too. So it is kind of yep. trying to kill all all trails. Yep. But having it built into your watch and built into the iOS experience in general is great. Um, I love the compass view i I think that's just great great. yeah let me just kind of back up what i think is really helpful about this yes you can see kind of a three-dimensional view of elevation that may be impacting your trail as you're going what to me was the most fascinating is that it will mark for you where you last had cellular connectivity so that way if you needed to backtrack for any reason to get to where you could actually make a cell phone call or get 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 data you could see it on this topographical map and be able to know how far you need to go back to be able to get that signal. 
So, you know, you can make a judgment call whether you want to go back to do that or if it's worth it or not. Same thing with being able to issue an SOS call. You see on a yep. visual map, the last place where you could have made an, you could make an emergency call based on the, uh, the, the data system, the, the phone system or the, uh, whatever that system is called. The satellite. Yeah. Out, yeah. Yeah. Satellite mm-hmm. information that pushes out your SOS signals. So just having all that together, plus you can kind of map and see on a, on a visual map like this, where your home base is or where your, your campsite is. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's really cool. So it's really, really yep. neat for me though, knowing that, you know, I could actually like look up a couple of trails and have them kind of loaded on my, my watch and then go take that hike and just know how to navigate to the starting point of it and know a little information about the trails I'm getting ready to go on. I think it's great. I mean, I, I'm, I never like seeing a, a good app get killed because Apple <laughs> rolled out a new feature. But I also like it when Apple has it built into a system I'm already using without me having to rely on a third-party app to do it, as long as the implementation is good. And that's why I always yeah. hope it is. But um, well, they, yeah, what, do they, what do they call that, Alan? Sherlocked? Is that what yeah, they I mean, Sherlock an app, yeah. meaning yeah. The, the background of that was there was a great app that was a search utility on your 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 Mac called Sherlock. But then pretty soon afterwards, Mac rolled out a really robust search on their own Mac uh, platform. Yeah, their spotlight. And yeah. the, the term was, yeah, spotlight. And the term was the Sher- something got Sherlocked, meaning it got it basically wiped off the planet because Apple built in the, that capability themselves. Yeah. Um, Alan, I just want to mention one real quick thing on, on the last few things that we talked about. <clears throat> so cycling, um, hiking, realize that these apps, these apps advancements would not have been done had they not created the ultra uh, watch. The ultra mm-hmm. watch, yeah, the, the Mac ultra or the uh, watch ultra, what is it? The, yeah. I don't know what they call that. Is it just Mac Ultra? The Ultra Big Mac Mac Daddy Watch. I don't know. <laughs> Big Mac know Daddy Watch. Because for anybody who has been kind of, you know, does a lot of things outdoors, long hikes, cycling, camping, realize that Apple Watches were just not great things for that because the battery life didn't last long enough. Right. You just didn't have the battery life to actually go and do long bike rides because it was taking so much power. I could go maybe do an hour, maybe an hour on a bike ride, uh, cycling with an Apple Watch, and that's it. You know, you certainly can't do a marathon, right? But the uh, the Ultra Watch, when they created that, where the battery life was super long, they could put it in this activity mode so that it was not taking a lot of uh, power. That's when they could open up things like mm. hiking apps, cycling apps, you know, um, the, the workouts take a, a whole big step up. So... I think, you know, there's a method to their madness, right? That some of these things they've been able to do for a while, but yet haven't really pushed it out because they didn't have a device that made sense to do it, right? If anything, it would have just worn down the watch so quick that people would have gotten frustrated with it. So, so I think that's, that's kind of exciting. I mean, they rolled out some other things too: mental health, kind of a nice mental health app to kind of help track your mood and how you're feeling about things. So it can kind of help you uh, keep tabs on your state of mind. And also improve well-being in general. I thought that was kind of some nice demos that they showed there. Also, same thing with vision, uh, trying to go ahead and help anybody that's, uh, especially in kids, where it's both encouraging them on how much daylight they're getting and access to daylight for their eyes. 
and getting um, outside, getting away mm-hmm. from the screen, all of that. Yep. Yeah. That's really good. So some some nice things on health. And then uh, they didn't really mention a lot with Fitness Plus during the keynote, but I know that's something they continue to push with that as well. So the watch, yeah. some a decent little interface upgrade, and then uh, some nice features on very uh, physical activities like the hiking and yeah. biking. So, yeah. All right, Brian, well, let's get to the big daddy. Yeah, let's, let's get, get to, to the, the big, big daddy. stuff. iOS, and by iOS, we are, most people think this is, you know, iPhone, which is true. It, iOS yep. kind of covers, for sure, the iPhone and uh, is kind of the basis for a lot of the other platforms. So these, many of these updates are ones that are also rolling out to the iPad and so forth, but they're really going to kind of shine here on the iPhone primarily. Brian, there's a lot of these. We're, let's let's start first. How about let's talk about messages because I think messages have a lot of attention here. I'm going to get to the messages here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about messages because I really felt like Apple has leaned into messages super heavy. Um, I mean, they they want this to be this, they want this to be where you are, right? Yeah, they want this right. to be where you are and how you can communicate with people. Um, there's a part of me that, that cringes thinking that, that we're going totally into messages as being our world. But, uh, but what I do like is that they're, they're making that process a little bit more uh, useful and potentially even allowing you to have more personality within them, which I think is kind of a, a helpful thing. Um, so I'll mention just a couple of things, Alan. One of the yep. things I loved um, was, you know, the fact that now they, if you go ahead and scroll down, I, I'm, you know, my most important part was, you know, I never use audio text. I mean, I'm never, yep. I never do the voice text. I don't know if you do, Alan. No, I don't. And when someone gives it to me, and, and by the way, what we're talking about is when you send a text of your voice, you know, you press the little microphone button and send a voice. I have a few friends that do that. And I have to say it annoys the crap out of me when I get it. I'm like, oh, because, you know, you've got to, you've got to realize where am I? Can I play this where yep. people are going to hear this? Do I have any idea what they said? Could they have said something really rude? Do I need to go get yep. it? You know, put my headphones in. It, it the breaks is, the whole flow of what text or what messaging what it's should supposed be. to be. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, texts are supposed to be kind of this, Hey, look, look at it when you get a chance, when you're ready, you know, respond. So what I love is that, and they've, we can talk about maybe a couple versions of this, Alan, but they have used this transcription piece um, to where someone sends you an audio text and it will transcribe it and show you the words so that you don't have to listen to it. I love that, right? If I want to listen to it, maybe hear like someone singing me happy birthday and I actually want to hear that. Wonderful. But I know that I want to hear it when I see what is in it. And yeah. if someone's actually giving me content, I want to see the content to know whether or not I want to get out of my meeting or if I want to go and get another room to actually hear this. Um, so I think that's fantastic. Uh, that's they're great. using transcription. We don't have to listen to you know someone that uh, uh, left the message that way. And maybe we should just go ahead and say that the the parallel to this, which is voicemail. Yep. I was going to say, right. I'm going to scroll back up to voicemail because it is yeah, very much that. a similar thing there. So with voicemail now, this is outside of messages. This is your phone app. But when you get a voicemail, um, it is actually live voicemail. So what that means is it's actually going to do live transcribing of what that person is saying on the voicemail they're leaving for you right now. And you will see that popping up on your screen as text. So that way, imagine you know you get a, f- a phone call from a number you don't recognize it goes to voicemail and then you see the voicemail start popping up and you realize, Oh wow, that's my mother calling from 
some other random phone yeah. or maybe she's somewhere right. and she's calling, but you see the message. Now at that point you could choose to hop in and actually pick up the call and it will interrupt their voicemail. And then I you can talk that. to them. I love that it. is really great because there's plenty of times I will let things go to voicemail because it's a number I don't recognize. And then as soon as I hear the voicemail, like, you know, later on after I play it back, I'm like, Oh, really? I really wish I I'd known that was them. I would have yep. like taken the call. Yep. And, yep. uh, this is great. Or think about too, Brian, if you're in a, a meeting or something else and you, know, you can't, you don't want to answer your phone and something goes to voicemail, but then you see from the voicemail text popping up, Oh, this is an emergency. Then it's like right away, you know, yep. this yep. is something I need to go address. I, I think it's genius. I'm so excited about this. No, I, 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 I mean, this to me is, is as big of a leap as when Mac originally started uh, the voicemail being able to actually kind of have yeah. digital voicemails as a visual to, voicemail, you know, they called it. Yeah. yeah. Visual. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This is huge, right? This is huge. Mm -hmm. My, my only question is kind of the actual usability of it. I know that right now, as they're showing on the screen, it's going to come up and show here's the transcription of what's happening and you can jump in. What I'm wondering is when they leave that message, is it going to, come up as a notification like it does now to say, Hey, you got a voicemail, but will it say voicemail and then you can pull it down and actually read the voicemail there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you yeah, got to be able to see so. it after the right. fact too. Cause it's or just like right can now. You, can you just turn it into a, put it in messages as well. Like if it comes well, in as voicemail, could it slide into messages? So you see, because that's where most people are going when well, they get out of a meeting or whatever, they're looking yeah. at messages, right? Well, right now, Brian, it already does transcription of your already recorded voicemails. So right. You do right. get that, but so, but you don't see the you don't see those in the notifications. Is what oh, I'm you're saying, saying like, like you want to see in the notification, like you would on the messages, like right? Or so of yeah. that that that. Like if you send me a message and I have the very top part that comes, this is Alan sent a text that says, yeah. "Hey, checking in, are you there?" Right? I don't just want to see phone voicemail. I want to see phone voicemail from so and so, and maybe the first line of what they're saying yeah. drop okay. down in my notification. If I see I'd that, I'd be surprised if that wasn't an great. option that you could yeah, turn on. So I would hope yeah. so. Yeah. So um, this is see. great. What the only downside is that this means more people are not going to answer their phone. Well, you better <laughs> believe it. I, I will Nobody's never answer, answer my phone, phone again. Never uh, answer my phone. And if I see certain people, uh, yeah, maybe a brother or two, um, <laughs> then you know. It's going to be a perfect excuse. I could just tell everybody I had this feature turned off. I'm like, oh, I didn't see your voicemail because I turned off that function. And sorry. Yeah, I think it's great. Mm -hmm. All um, right. Let's jump what else around. We want to what else? Here, Brian? Uh, hmm. Let's see. Uh, let's well, talk real quick about this because I have a question about this, Alan, what you sure. have right here. So, so what they what they have done, which I think is incredibly cool, um, is that Alan, I can decide how my image comes up on your phone when I call you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I could set up my profile, you know, on my own phone, and we kind of do this now, where you've got it'll say, "Hey, their card has been updated. Do you want to update yeah. their card based on what they've put in?" But now you can actually have a really cool, whether it's your memoji, whether mm -hmm. it's your nice picture uh, that shows up whenever someone yep. calls. My only question on this is, do you get to, do you get to decide whether you allow those and do you get to preview them or not? Can I set it up so that it's like yeah. a shirtless picture of me that shows up on your phone, you know, every time I call and you really don't have an option other than to see this happen? I would imagine there's got to be an overriding to it because right, right now, even I can choose to have a different icon that shows up for you, Brian. Than right. what you're pushing out as your own. 
I can choose that. So I imagine there's got to be an override or at least a But I just setting. wonder, yeah, the yeah. process. Will that happen the first time? So I call is you. Is it on a person-by-person basis? Or maybe, is it, uh, or, or is yeah. it going to come up and say, Brian would like to enable his own picture. Will you allow it? Here's a here's a preview of it. Maybe that would yeah. be kind of nice. And then you accept, right? Because you could, you're right. You could, you could have a very uh, incriminating, embarrassing yeah. looking photo of yourself. And if you're pushing that out to people, they don't really have a, a choice. That's right. Whether they see it or not, I could see that being a problem. So there's yeah. got to be some sort of y- yes, allow this. I mean, there's this person or, or. And I worry a little bit about the kids, right? Because if this is a, yeah. let's say, Alan, you send me, you send me something and then maybe I do have to approve it and say, yes, actually, Alan, I trust Alan. I approve Alan. Right. But then you change your picture. Mm-hmm. Do I get to approve the new one or does that right. mean now you have me and then you can actually, you know, I'm going into an important meeting, you change it to yeah. something stupid. So I, I worry a little bit about the bullying that could happen. Some of the things that could occur with, with kids because they're just going to accept anything, that. right? They're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll accept all my friends. And then there's going to be some crazy stuff that's happened. So I hope that there's okay. some, some features in place for that. I mean, um, I like it, but you're right. I think all the questions you asked are, are the right ones to be asking. I'd be curious to see how it actually rolls out. But I, I like, I mean, anytime we can customize kind of what people see of each other and how we present ourselves, I'm all for that. No, I think it um, looks so much nicer. It's a great, uh, great piece. Alan, you missed one piece right there on the messages. Yep. If you scroll up, I think this is really slick, uh, the one on the right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, if I'm, going to meet you at a party and I tell you, or actually let's do it the other way. Let's say that I'm driving home from a party that I just left your house and you'd like to know whether or not I've gotten home and I can just click and say, this is where I'm going. Notify Alan. I don't have to remember when I get there to text you. You can actually look and see, Oh, Brian's actually home. Great. I got notified. Or what I thought was really slick was you have a kid they're supposed to be coming home. They should be to the party or to the friend's house at a certain time. If they're not making progress like they should be, it will notify you to say they're not getting to where they're supposed to be quick enough or they're, you know, they're, they're off track. And that lets you know that maybe something went wrong. And, uh, and I think that's a incredibly cool yeah. safety feature. So no, I absolutely. would imagine parents, parents would love it. So it's so great. It's no, great. I think it's yeah. some great, great features there with that. With messages. Yep. Uh, let's see. Let's, I'm going to kind of scroll on through. I don't want to talk yeah, about stickers. I think stickers nope. are stupid. I don't want to talk about those. <laughs> oh, God, more stickers. There's still sticker stuff they're pushing. All right, FaceTime. So what's uh, what's FaceTime going on? So well, yeah, I can mention one thing really quick. It's, it ties in a little bit with the voicemail that we were talking about before. But yes, this is the feature where on, on FaceTime now, if you make a FaceTime call with to someone and they're, they don't pick up, you can now basically leave them like almost like a visual voicemail of yourself. You record a short video or audio message that they can play back just like they could if they missed a phone call from you. So it's like, it's like typical phone voicemail, but for FaceTime, uh, which I mean, I think it's kind of neat. I think that's kind of yeah. fun. No, I think, yeah. I think that's, I think it's great. Yeah. Be helpful. Uh, it re- it responds now to your hand motion. Mm-hmm. So as you see, if you're watching on the video, you see there's a guy on the left He's doing the double thumbs up. Uh, I iPhone sees that and turns that into a big like confetti or uh, yeah, whatever uh, you said, fireworks probably. explosion yeah. behind you or whatever you share. So it can actually set up different hand gestures to mean different things. And if you do an okay or you do some other thing, 
that tells iPhone, oh, I'm supposed to do this animation or I do this yeah. kind of effect on the screen when we do that. Um, I mean, this is cool. something that Zoom's, yeah. Zoom's had for a while. Uh, it becomes yeah. really annoying when people have that turned on, you know, because you'll yeah. get thumbs up when they don't realize they're doing thumbs up and all that stuff. But, but I think as long as you set it up so that these are motions that I will not normally make and I'm only going to make them when I want this to happen, then I think it can be great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the one I'm, I really okay. like, yeah. I'm very excited about FaceTime using your Apple TV. So this happens to me, Brian, a lot. I like to do Apple TV or FaceTime calls, and I've got an Apple TV on a big screen here in my den. I really like putting people up on the screen whenever we have like family get togethers or we want to Zoom or FaceTime in other people from other places. But I have to constantly, um, what I have to do is basically use my phone to do the FaceTime call. And then I just mirror my phone to the, yeah. to the yep. screen, which it works okay, but it's not great. And it's still a lot of things to deal with. Now, though, with the latest OS update, you can actually have your iPhone as a camera. And now you can start a call from the Apple TV. There's a FaceTime app that will be on the Apple TV. You start your call from that FaceTime app on the Apple TV, and you can use the phone, your phone as the camera. It can actually see your phone as a camera source to use for that FaceTime call or start it from your phone and then just transfer it to your Apple TV. So basically imagine, you know, your TV screen, that's where you're seeing everybody that you're talking to. They see you through the phone camera, but now you can position that phone camera anywhere you want to to get the best view and you just totally interact with the Apple TV at that point. So yeah, um, I think it's great. Simplistic, but yep. it's great. Yep. I think it's great too. And and I'm going to mention one other little feature that, that follows the same path, which is that idea of standby, Alan, you know, you mm -hmm. saw the, where you could have your phone turned to the side and uh, there you go. Yeah. And have it start to be a little bit more like a, you know, a display screen for your desk or for your night nightside table. Um, here, here's my thing. So after what you just mentioned with the Apple TV being your, um, being your FaceTime portal and then having the phone being a camera, I just, I want to know when Apple's going to create their own version of kind of phone mounts where they've got some really nice phone mounts where mm -hmm. you can snap it on magnet and have it, you know, rotate, follow you around or have it be on your bedside table, kind of like you and I, I think both have a, uh, a different version of a, a, a kind of a charger where it can sit yeah. there. But it seems like they've got a couple of use cases now where the phone really needs to be mounted, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't want to go up and put my phone for an Apple or for an, uh, a FaceTime on my Apple TV. I don't want to go up and try to tilt it against the wall and then have to go back and be like, can you see me and all this stuff? Oh, yeah. I want... I want a magnet right underneath my TV that's on the wall. And I go snap. Oh, you, and you know, I that's know it's coming. exactly where it's going to be. You yeah. know, that's where it's going. That's where it so has it'll be to third be. party developers creating those. But I think Apple will probably roll out one of their own at some point. Be and I guess you could take a charger. Go. You could take the charger disc, wrap it around, yeah. put it at the bottom of your TV, snap mm -hmm. it on as a magnet. But I feel like that's, that's what needs, you know, needs to be there so that you can use these things effectively. So Agreed. Now, I should note this whole uh, standby mode that you're talking about is really cool, but it only really works the way it should with the latest iPhone. I think the iPhone 14, because mm -hmm. those right. are the ones that have the always on screen Display. capability. Any yep. other older iPhone will still go to sleep 
at a certain amount of time. So even if you have it turned to a side for the standby mode, it's still going to go to black after a while. So, uh, or just it's, or it's going to, do you know, it? will that not work even if you have it on a charger? All I read, yeah, all I understood is that it, it, it this is only going to work on the 14. Okay. Or, okay. Or just because of that capability. So, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I know you can turn off and like not have it go to sleep, you know, your phone. You can turn yeah. off the on your system preferences to change it to do that. But for some reason, they said that having that always on bright mode well it's probably uh, the adaptive the adaptive screen right that it does to try to say better i i can get that yeah well let me let me mention yeah maybe let me mention if you're okay with it one or two other things that are outside of ios and then i want to we can jump into the the headset but uh a couple of things i just i have to to say one air tag sharing is finally possible and for someone who has a bunch of air tags i'm very very happy about this i don't think it's going to show up there on the ios but um probably not but yeah. air tags now you know and people have listened to our show in the past when i talked about air tags one of the most frustrating parts is you know i have an air tag on my dog's collar but yet i have to get the notifications only i cannot share those notifications with someone else well my wife would also like to know <laughs> if our dog is lost and be able to to track her so now you can actually share air tags with other people so you can say, I want this person, my wife, to also have access to this air tag so that she can track where, you know, where our dog is. So I think that's a huge thing. There's some people that have concerns about that. You know, if you have a, a spouse who now maybe wants to track you and now yeah. you're giving them access to certain things, but hopefully you have the ability to do that with, uh, with control. So, and then I think the last thing there that you're going right to that spot, Alan, mm-hmm. is the AirPods. I mean, AirPods are taking a huge advancement, which I am excited about. But what they're really trying to do is they're trying, I think they're trying to get to the point where people never take their AirPods out. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. honestly what they're trying to do is get, put your AirPods in and never take them out except to charge them. Because one of the reasons you take them out now is when you approach someone and you want to talk to them and you pop your AirPods out to talk to them. Well, they're allowing that to happen now. So when you start talking, your music will go silent and your pass-through noise will come in so that you can hear the person you're talking to without taking your AirPods out. I think that's exciting. I love the technology of it, but it also makes me a little nervous, you know, that we're never going to take these AirPods out. Well, Brian, my question is if I'm someone hypothetically that likes to um, talk out loud to myself when I'm listening Mm. to something on the (laughs) iPad, on the AirPods, Maybe I like to kind of, maybe I like to speed wrap some of the songs I'm listening to myself. Are the AirPods going to assume that I'm talking to somebody and stop the music? Um, That'll be one question. Um, look, I actually am okay. Actually, this even happened to me today. I, I had my AirPods on. I was I was working at my office building, and I had them on because I was the only one there. I thought, and I just left. You know, had them on the whole day. And, you know, somebody came up to me and wanted to talk. And, yeah, I did find myself having to pop them out and, like, talk to the person. And then I had to put them back in, start my music yep. back up. Yep. And then, but then I, I drove home and I realized I still had my AirPods in my ears. Like, I didn't really think about it. So, it's like the idea of saying, okay, are they just left in if I'm just out and about listening to things, but I'm okay being stopped and having a conversation with somebody, but I can leave them in and not deal with it. I'm really good with that. I think the key is going to be how well does this work? Does it work as realistically right. as it needs to? 
because uh, this could be a real annoyance if it doesn't work right um, with it stuff fading in and out or maybe not blocking out the background noise like it should. Um, there's a lot of question marks for me, but I love the demo they showed of it. And the question is just, will it work yeah. in that way? Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe it has to get to the point where you get another trigger word, right? Like you say, hey, and then all of a sudden it knows that, okay, let's, you know, <laughs> you're saying hey to somebody. I mean, maybe there's there there has to be some some adjustments, but I'm, I'm just, I'm excited for the usability of certain things to be more uh, in, enhanced and using yeah. the technology. So, so those were my big things, Alan. I don't know if you had yeah. any other pieces you wanted to, to mention before we get to the... Not offhand. I mean, set. there's a lot of other little things. I encourage anybody who just wants to kind of see some of the new features that are coming out for these operating systems, go to Apple's website and what you actually have to do if you want to see the previews of these different systems. I'll give you a little hint here. If you go to the Apple website, if you want to see the latest iPad OS uh, updates that we were just sharing, go to iPad and actually go to iPad OS 17 preview on the drop-down menu. Same with the phone. That's where you get your iOS, iOS 17 preview, watch, and so forth. All of them have a preview button. Even the Mac does for Sonoma, their new version of the Mac OS. That's where you can really find some, some good highlights and examples of what those different new features are going to be on the OSs that they're releasing. Um, and we should so mention those are coming this fall, right? Coming this fall, which means it could be anywhere between late August and late November, yep. <laughs> uh, early yep. December. I think they consider fall going up almost into December, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine probably shooting for October or November. October, but, yeah. November. Probably a good mm -hmm. idea there. Um, the one thing I'll just say before we, we move on to the last topic we want to talk about, Brian, this um, – I have noticed it just seems like a lot of the updates they announced for all of the different um, OS platforms this year, there was no showstopper. There was no one big feature for any of them. That's like, Oh wow. They just did this. And that's amazing. Now look, I, I love the, the, the transcribing voicemail. I love the, yep. the live yep. voicemail. There's some other things that are really cool, but nothing that's going to just grab headlines. All of their updates seem to be more about just enhancing Almost, it's almost like enhancing quality of life, just enhancing yep, usability, usability mm -hmm. and just making it to where these devices you want to keep on you and keep using on a regular basis. How do we make that easier to do? And I think that's really where they're, they're kind of honed in on with a lot of these updates. I love the slate of updates. I mean, there's like eight or nine oh, different I, updates I love it. They, yep. they announced. I'm like, I'm going to use that day one. Those are, those are great. This has got me exciting. But it's nothing that the news stories are going to pick up on and say, wow, this is a big revolutionary service or update to any of these devices. I think mainly because they were waiting for that big revolutionary, big major update to come with the one big up product update, which is the Vision Pro. Um, we got to talk about this, Brian. I, yeah. I, I know we're already running longer than we thought, but I, I don't care. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about this because this is important. Um, Apple did announce... It, it's long coming uh, rumored. It's been on the rumor mill for quite a while now that they were working on this and uh, speculated that it was going to be coming out during this conference. And it did. Uh, all the rumors had the name wrong. All the rumors were that it was going to be like XR, like uh, mm -hmm. OS, or XROS, some of the name like that. But instead, they went with Vision, the Vision OS and the Vision Pro as the product that we saw announced. 
which first off, I love the name. I think it's great. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's a good name. The thing with this device that they showed off is, uh, you know, everybody was speculating whether it was going to be an AR device, which remember AR is this idea that you are looking at the real world through glasses, but the glasses are putting things on top of the real world for you to accentuate your experience. So if you're walking down the street, little directions and map uh, directions may pop up in the corner, but you're still looking at the real world. Um, VR is where you go into a completely virtual environment. You do not see the outside world. You see this space around you, putting you somewhere else in a completely different environment. And I know there were some questions with me is which direction were they going to go? I think I kind of assumed it was going to be a little more AR leaning uh, than mm-hmm. VR, but what the vision pro actually did was kind of come up with a device that I feel like is actually both. And they're calling it, which I think is also pretty important. Spatial computing is the term they're using for how they're describing this device. They never used VR as a term, virtual reality, anywhere in this keynote or anywhere on this website. Everything is spatial computing. So the idea becomes you put on this helmet, you can choose to interact with the real world by natively. That's what it does. You're seeing through, it is giving you a visual representation of the real world around you. So it's like you're wearing glasses, but it is putting your computing experience and apps and other things in front of you for you to interact with. So that is the AR side of it. Yeah, but gets really interesting in that you can also turn a dial. I'll get to some of this other in a minute. Turning a little small dial on the top of the uh, the the device will actually tape you into a true virtual environment. They call it, uh, I think they call it in environments, where it does take over the entire room and give you. I don't know if it's going to show me an example of that or not, but it actually does take over and give you just like what the, like the meta, the Oculus, the quest do where it's a completely yep. virtual environment around you. Yeah. Oh, here you go. So that's an example a of a virtual yep. environment. So again, turning the dial changes that, that level of experience you get all the way through. You can turn it all the way one way to see everything real world and have everything just laid on top of the real world for you to interact with. You turn it the other way, you've got the full environment, 3D uh, virtual environment around you that you don't see the other things going on in the room around you. So um, I thought that was a really interesting approach to it, to kind of say we're handling both sides of the coin, but it's not a one or the other and it's totally up to the user to kind of describe, decide what kind of experience they want to have with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's what it, it's called. Spatial computing is the term they're using. And just like you can see from all the screenshots, it is truly putting your, your typical iOS or typical Mac environment up on the screen in front of you for you to interact with. Um, right. Yep. So anyway, Brian, let's let's get through some other yeah. notes on this. Uh, I, yep. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts as well and just what you thought about this device. Um, interacting with this device is all done through your fingers and your eyesight. Right. So, um, yeah, so that that I, I think is fascinating. Um, so, just for people to kind of realize the the experience, this would mean that if my eyes look at something within this virtual environment. And then I would have my hands maybe down by my side and kind of tap my fingers together or point my fingers together. Um, 
I've got cameras on the outside of this device that are looking at the world around me. So when it sees that motion and it doesn't have to be up in the air, like actually grabbing and reaching, um, it's going to then click on whatever I was looking at, which I think is really, really cool. I mean, it's very cool in that there are tons of eye tracker cameras on the inside of this thing that are watching every minute movement that you're doing uh, within the headset. And, you know, eye tracking is something I have a good mm -hmm. deal of experience with. And, uh, and I'm super excited to see, you know, when you have a head mounted thing, something that doesn't move, you can really get good quality eye tracking. You can actually track someone's eye because the cameras are moving with you. So they take mm -hmm. that world out of it and they can watch what your eyes are doing. My only, my only concern, well, I have a number of concerns. One big concern I have is, okay, if this becomes the kind of computing experience that a lot of people are able to do, I just wonder how easy will it be to go between this and a regular computer? Because I think it's one thing if if I actually do put my hands up and touch, touch in the virtual world, kind of like some of the other VR uh, experiences do, touching something that's in this in the in the virtual world and opening up an app that way because that transfers back to an iPad pretty easily right with an iPad I'm always going to go and touch the screen in order to make something happen but when you're getting used to just looking at something and then making the movement well now go back to your Mac and you have to look at something and then you have to realize oh wait a minute I got to move the mouse to where my eyes are looking and then I have to click yeah. I just think the back and forth is going to become a challenge um Unless maybe there's a way in which you can change that, right? You can say, oh, no, I'd rather actually use mouse uh, mouse version OS, right? Where maybe I actually move my hand like I would with a mouse, and maybe there's a mouse that comes on the screen. Maybe you could actually turn it that way if you want to keep it more of a regular computing. Well, but that is a that is one of my big – I have a couple big questions about this product. And, again, we won't see this out in the wild or able for sale until for another six or seven months probably at least. Um, so it's kind of, these are going to be questions that are just going to be floating out there until then. My question was, they did say that, you know, you could use this uh, Vision Pro headset as almost like a uh, monitor for your Mac. So if you have a Mac computer yep. that you're interacting with, use this as your way of interacting with your own your own computer. Now, that's fascinating to me, but I'm like you. I got I, I need to see how that's going to work in real-world application. Can I use mouse and keyboard and just use this now as a big floating screen in front of me? I mean, that's um, that's what I would love to do, honestly. No, me too. I think that yeah. would be great. And if I knew that, uh, you know, that way I could actually work on things, if I just wanted to kind of have my own self-contained space to work on something, I still have my full Mac computer experience here in front of me, and I yep. can pull up yep. all my applications and work with them. Then that would be that would be awesome. My fear is that there's going to be some limitations yeah. on that, or it's going to try to force you into that hand gesture mode. Which I agree that I kind of want to be able to pick and choose when I yeah. use those hand gestures, or when I can use a Bluetooth mouse and mouse and keyboard. Which they did say those accessories would be available for you to use. Okay. So you could yeah. use those things. Um, and just think I, it, it is it is possible. I mean, it's easily possible with cameras on the outside of this thing. Alan, that, that picture you have right there, right? The, what it's showing, for those that aren't able to, to see, it's showing someone standing at a standing desk with the headset on and having kind of a floating keyboard in front of them, as well as a big screen, as well as a secondary mm -hmm. screen and all of these things around them. And it looks really, really cool to say, wow, I've got all these screens ahead of me. 
But I think to myself, you know, okay, there's cameras on the outside. Why not have specialized Mac keyboards that it can recognize? And that information passes through. So I could look down in this virtual world and still see my hands and still see the keyboard, just like I'm typing now. But yet I have all of these screens available. So allowing that information to still pass through so I could use the keyboard effectively I could still well, use a mouse, no, I think, right? I think that would, no matter what. I mean, they already said that you know, Bluetooth keyboards could be used. Yeah. This right now, the picture you're seeing on the screen for those watching on the video, that is that is a real environment. That is him seeing his own desk and all that. He's just seeing the screens in front of it. So if you have a keyboard down in front of you, and as long as it's a Bluetooth keyboard that is working with yeah. the Vision Pro, you could be typing and look down on your keyboard and just like you would normally and it should interact with what you're seeing on the screen above you. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's just a mode you turn off, right? But I, I don't like the idea of the floating keyboard that's in front of him right now. No, no, no. Um, I, I really think that that's more seems... of a you're using it and you just happen to be somewhere where you don't have your yeah. your actual computing gear with right. you. You have to Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to have to go and look at every key in okay. order to click those keys, right, to type yeah. something. Because that becomes work does not happen in that way. So. Well, Brian, they, they tried to walk through a lot of use cases for this this device. And this is where I think this is really what sets us apart from what I've seen from other devices. The use cases they showcased in the keynote varied from um, leisure, kind of uh, mm -hmm. more recreational use, just reading articles. Uh, watching definitely movies. Watching, watching movies was a big experience they detailed and showcased, which I'm personally extremely excited to watch a movie on something like this and see how that experience is. Um, but then, like we just talked about, they also did a lot with the business side, showing that as a device for work. Yeah. I've never seen a VR helmet of any sort ever marketed as a work device or could be used for work. Now, this is the one I think that's the most subjective. This, I don't know if this is really going to play out like they're, like they're saying, where it being a actual device you would use in a work environment the theater absolutely home theater yes that makes perfect sense i could see people using that um they didn't really talk about gaming with it much at all they they were very light on that which i was kind of surprised by thought there might be some big game announcements of yeah. games you would play on the vr helmet and it they didn't really say that now they did say you could play any of your like you know apple arcade games and other things on there but it didn't seem to indicate that the games were going to there were no new games being announced that were going to be making use of this whole capability that you've got, really. Um, the thing that's probably the most intriguing for me, Brian, is with the spatial photos and spatial videos. So with this headset, you can click a button and take a photo or take a video of what you're seeing through your, your lens, your eyes. Uh, and when you play those back, they actually are in a pseudo 3d world environment because your headset is actually getting some, some volume information around what you were just taking a photo or video of. So the idea is very much like minority report. I don't know if you remember <laughs> seeing that movie, Brian oh, the yeah. Cruise movie, the idea of playing back your videos inside the headset and actually seeing them in a 3d space. Now, I love this. I'm I'm a video guy. I'm I shoot video. I work with video. The idea of doing this is really really exciting. But I've also got questions about: Is this an experience that's now limited to just within the headset to see or watch? Or if I sent a video I shot on the headset to my Mac or to somebody else, 
can we get any sense of that same experience or is it right. going to be very limited to a 2d flat video um that's that's the kind of things i'm curious about but i love the fact that i could watch them back in the headset but i'd also want to share them with other people yeah um, that's the one thing that i think we got to really kind of contend with when we talk about a device like this is this is turning a lot of shared experiences into a solo experience uh, yes. for people okay and that's that's my biggest biggest concern is well, is you know, with you, the price, but, which we haven't gotten to yet, but makes well, yeah, it so that price is expensive. Um, you know, watching a movie. So you, you know, you mentioned earlier you're excited about watching a movie on it. I think that sounds great. Well, you're also someone who will go to a movie theater by yourself, which I have never done sure. in my entire life. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, are we creating a great personal experience for something and removing people from others where the shared experience? You know, are, are, are literally are two people going to sit down with these headsets on next to each other and have a different view of the exact same movie and still be able well, to talk with one another? One, the price is going to limit that. But two, sure. is that really going to happen? Or, or are we going to be sitting on the couch together holding hands and each watching our own individual movie? <laughs> I've got to think, but, away? but Brian, just right. thinking about Apple's overall architecture and, and, and capabilities, I mean... I've got to imagine, and I think they I think they were probably right to not talk about this in the keynote because it does imply that you'd have to buy two of right. these units if you're both sitting there watching something. But you know, to watch a 3D movie in true 3D, which is they that's what the the demos all show, in a huge screen right in front of your face. Yeah, I, I'd like to be able to experience that with my wife or with my kids, you know, in my house. That would require a headset for each person. But I assume that if you did have multiple headsets, because capabilities like share play and all the ways that they already have things yeah. that can be synced together, there's got to be an easy way to say, oh, I'm going to play a movie and we're all going to sit and we can watch it on our headsets, but we're in the same room. We hear each other. We're still there together with it. I mean, the Oculus or the the Quest, the Meta Quest headset, which granted, I know is a much cheaper, like $500 headset will allow you to do that. Like you can actually say, Hey, grab my friend and we're going to go in the same room and watch the same movie. And I can still right. hear each other. We can see each other. We can watch the movie together. It's fun. Uh, I think the problem is if Apple had brought that up as a demo, the questions automatically become old. So now you got to buy two of these things, which is, <laughs> yep. you yep. know, like start taking out a, 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 a an extra, you know, mortgage on your house just to pay for. Um, I mean, let's, let's be honest, Alan, you, you, your situation, what you're hoping they'll do is you're hoping that you can, you can have the headset on and your family can watch it on the normal TV and you guys yeah. can all be watching the same movie, but you get the cool experience and they don't. No, typically what happens in our house is if I'm watching it on the best possible experience and then I'm just shouting out and describing to the other people what oh, I'm seeing. Okay. So that way they right. know, I'm like, oh, right. oh, by the way, I'm seeing a really cool shot with a really cool creature right now, by the way, just <laughs> let everybody know. Um, that's what happens in my house. So, um, <laughs> so I, I have questions, Brian, but I am, I'm here to tell you, uh, and, and I'm, I want to hear your thoughts, your overall impression of what you saw. I, uh, I immediately after watching this keynote started doing some math to figure out how in the world I can <laughs> save up $3,500 <laughs> by January. No, no lies. Seriously. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. this keynote and there's a moment in this keynote, Brian, or a couple moments where I actually stopped to myself and said, is this a joke? 
Is, is this like, this is not real, right? This is not a real product. There's no way this can be a real product that they're going to be selling <laughs> because it was, it blew me away. Now, look, I know, I know they showed you everything they could to sell this on you before they announced the price and the price is $3,500. It is insanely expensive. I think from what I saw, it's worth it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm also not here to say that it's it's something that everybody should rush out and get because it's a lot of money. And I don't sure. think it has a universal use case for everybody. Um, there's yeah. a lot of factors that have to go into place before somebody can decide that this is an environment they want to buy into. Um, people who um, live on their own and yes. don't need maybe live in a small uh, apartment and don't have a big giant independently screen, wealthy. don't have space to do things. What's that? <laughs> Independently wealthy. Yeah, well. there's a little bit of that. But I mean, still, even just, you know, hey, look, if I lived in an apartment by myself and I really wanted to have a great home theater experience, but I didn't really have space to do it. Sure. Heck yeah, yeah this would be awesome. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. If I did a lot of work in a visual environment where I felt like I could really be productive and work and I didn't always want to have distractions around me or I wanted to be able to kind of really focus on what I'm doing, where I didn't want to get a giant big monitor and do my, dis- I want to do my work from here. I think there's a lot of specific use cases for this. My problem yeah. with the yeah. with the product, not the problem, but my concern for it is unlike every other product that Apple puts out, this is not a universal everybody can can want right. this. Okay? Right. Um it's going to be limited and because you're still having to put a giant ski goggle on your head, you are having to shut yourself away from certain aspects of the rest of the world. Um there's a lot of things you got to you got to do if if you want to buy into this, but I'm I'm on board. I'm ready for it. I, I well, a lot, a lot of people are going to be on board. I mean, this yeah. the whether or not we should be on board is a more <laughs> philosophical yeah. question. But a lot of people are going to be on board. I I agree with you. If if I lived alone mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have to buy a new seventy inch TV to have that cool home theater deal, I mean, I would have the greatest home theater there is, which is have the biggest screen right in front of you uh, and and make it as big as you want or small as you want, make it, um, you know, engage at the same time with other video conferencing and all that and gaming and all of that would be, yeah, I'm sure it would be incredibly cool. Um, If I was an architect that worked, you know, alone or, you know, in a kind of home environment, I would love this because I'd be able to actually manipulate things and have things in scale and see things in different ways. Um, I think it's fantastic if I was on Zoom calls all day and that's what I was doing and you learn this. I think the Zoom call idea or the the uh, FaceTime idea here was great, right? You're experiencing those people in the room. I My concerns, which I have a lot of them, but are one, you know, is it is it a good thing to try to get to this environment, right? Or is it a better thing to to go with a different version of Google Glass like we used to have, where it's just augmented reality mm-hmm. as opposed to virtual? Um, I worry about uh, vision, right? Because if you put this thing on and are in this environment for hours and hours and hours a day, I and mean, we already have a problem with our vision going bad because we're looking at you know 16 inches away from us most of the day. So our eyes don't, don't accommodate. That's why earlier Apple was making a push to get kids outdoors because they wanted them away from their screens. They wanted their eyes to be able to, well, now you're saying we're going to put you in an environment where (laughs) your eyes are going to focus two inches away all day. 
I actually now, thought that was kind of it was kind of funny that within 20 minutes of each other, there's an announcement right back to it. how to get yep. people outside away from the screens and all that. And then, oh, now we're going to completely cover you in. <laughs> like, now, here's uh, here's where the fun. science, the scientist in me says, I'm super excited to see if they'll do this would be there's no reason they can't force your eyes to focus at different distances in a virtual environment, given that they have the cameras pointed in. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm looking at a screen that is two inches away from me. However, given that the camera is pointed at my eye and it's super fast, if the camera were to say, okay, we need to change your focus and we're going to blur out your screen and make your eyes change its focus. And then when it does, we'll give you a clear, all of a sudden hmm. it's forcing you to change your lens and all that. The problem is it's not going to be realistic. It's not going to be uh, real world. And are we going to have screwed up eyes? We're going to have a lot more people with glasses hmm. that, you know, have problems focusing in their older adulthood and all of that stuff. But that's a concern I have when we change. Sure. I mean, I had that, that same concern with the phone, but now we're talking about a more extreme, uh, you know, situation. But I, am, um, if you gave me one, would I use it and would I have a thrill using it? Yes. I, I'm yeah. super excited to see the tech. I'm super, I've never been in a virtual environment. I've seen your experience mm -hmm. through our podcast. Um, I've never been in one. I've never put one on. Well, so I've well, never Brian, experienced there's, that. There's two. Well, then my suggestions to you are, you could, you could do one of two things. You either wait and not get any virtual experience until you have a chance to use the the Apple, the Vision Pro when it comes out. Or get your hands or I'll let you use the Oculus I've got some point. Because now at this point, if you get into Oculus or getting the other VR headsets before using this one, um, it, it is... Well, you um, won't go back. You certainly won't no, go back. You won't you go, go back. Yeah. And it's just right. worlds... Uh, you've set such a low threshold with yeah. the, the quest look the meta quest is a great device it is um one seventh of the cost of the vision pro yeah um the difference is with the meta quest that that's probably the most popular vr helmet right now other than the cost is that the resolution is nowhere as good when i put on the vision quest or the the quest i can clearly see that i'm looking at pixels i can tell this is a computerized pixelized screen yeah. i'm looking at yep any idea of it being a pass through where I would be able to see the outside world. It does have a pass through view where I could actually see past the, the glasses. It is a horrible view. It is not at all. Like, yeah, realistic. it's just giving it you, is. I mean, shadows and general just ideas letting you and see all that, where right? things yeah. are. So you don't hit yourself on a piece of furniture. Um, and also the, the, the VR experience now is still, you know, games and uh, virtual experiences but there's no application on there for actually doing any work. There's no application on there for video conferencing in a meaningful way. Uh, there's no application on there for taking photo and videos of what you're seeing in the real world. So right away, I mean, it, this, this vision pro is just leaps and bounds above anything we've seen. Um, yeah. Is it worth seven times the cost? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see when we get our hands on it and try it out. But, um, I'm impressed so far. My other big question though, one thing I'm, I'm still, the jury's still out with me. What you're looking at right now, for those of you <laughs> watching on video, um, just so everybody's aware of the way this works, because this kind of took me back, uh, back a bit when I was watching the keynote. They're really intent on making sure that people who use this Vision Pro still feel connected with the rest of the world. 
which I think is a good noble idea. This idea that, you know, a couple things they do is that if you're in a virtual environment or virtual experience on the vision pro and somebody walks in up to you, they will appear kind of right away in your virtual, you're not shut off from them. Like with the, the Oculus or the meta quest right now, if I'm in a virtual world and somebody comes up and taps me on the shoulder, it's, it scares you because you don't yeah, see them. Yeah, no idea. You don't know mm-hmm. they're there. With this, it will let them in. So you will see that there are people near you and they're talking with you, which is cool. But it's the other side of the coin where <laughs> it is showing them your eyes through the, the the goggles. Now, when I first looked at this and when they first showed the keynote, I'm like, oh, wow. So they've got it to where it's like one-way glass type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like... That you're actually seeing their live eyes and somehow lighting them up a little bit so you can see them. No, these are actual virtual impressions of your eyes. It's an LED screen, right? It's an OLED screen screen on the outside. Somebody's looking at the screen and they're seeing a video representation of your eyes. Right. You scan your eyes, you scan your face and everything when you set up this, this Vision Pro. So that's what it's showing you. Now, my question is, is this going to be super creepy looking? Are these going to be like static eyes that don't right. really show the same kind of emotion or I- impressions you're trying to give across? Is it just going to be weird? Or are these things actually going to be pretty good representations of what your eyes are actually doing inside the goggles? Yeah. So it's going to and work. I don't see I why, don't and I don't see why they couldn't, right? I mean, Should they're tracking be. your eyes. I don't see why right, they they're, couldn't, they're couldn't actually make your eyes move. I, I do worry. I mean, if it's static, that's going to become well, incredible. And I don't freaky, think it'll right? be static. Static was probably the wrong word for it. But yeah. even when they showed the demo, Brian, of FaceTime, which is where yep. it is creating a truly virtual uh, representation of your face, of your face yep. it looks pretty close. It looks good enough. But even watching the video of it, it 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 just had a little bit of that uncanny valley Yep. yep. look to it. And that's my fear with these eyes on the outside too, is that if it's very clear to somebody that, okay, that's not really their eyes. I, it's, it's just not quite the same. That's going to throw a lot of people off. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Someone I'm mentioned, really, I'm really I heard someone mention the uh, polar express effect, yeah. right? That yeah, was, that was kind of where like the whole that. uncanny Valley kind of became a little yeah. more uh, known because that the animation was so good the faces were so good, but they were just, they're almost so they're good that because perfect, they're not yeah. perfect, you notice those imperfections right. so much more. Right. right. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I'm with you. I think this, this was a good move that they did it because if they wouldn't have done it, then there would have been no kind of like people would have argued, Hey, now you're totally shut off from the world and all of that. This at least gave the impression that, Hey, listen, if you come into the room and you know, so, so the weird part would be, I mean, if, if you think about it, Alan, the weird part would be if I wore this headset, you came in the room and in my headset, I could see that you came in the room because it would allow that pass through, but you would have no idea that I could see you. That's where the real frustration starts to happen, right? Like you started going, uh, Hey, uh, I don't know if you can see me or not. Right. Well, so the eyes would actually represent that by the way, I can see you, right? When you can see my yeah. eyes, I can see you, right? And that's really helpful, I think, for the usability yeah. of this. And that's what they said with the demo. Yeah, that's what they showed is that it changes to your eyes when you're actually able to see the real world and you could actually see somebody who came into the room. Right. If it's got a kind of a almost like a screensaver looking thing going on, 
and you don't see the it eyes, that is your sign right? to everybody else yep. that I am closed off. I'm not seeing you by default. Um, yep. I, I think it's genius the way they map this out. It's yep. all just going to come down to real world application with multiple people in your life. Does it work? Um, I know they showed an example of like, you know, it got some grief online, people kind of slamming Apple for an example in a video of a father with the headset on taking a video of his child's birthday, blowing out the candles on a, on a, on a birthday cake. And, you know, of course people were saying, well, that's, you know, why would you shut yourself off or put something on that on your head when you're experiencing that? And like, I don't want to be the cynical other guy on the side of the coin here, but you know, I've been to enough parties and things with <laughs> my kids. Where I've been in front of a, a DSLR camera lens yeah, uh, yeah, up against my head, or I've been on a phone and holding up and using as a camera. I don't see the difference. I'm like, I, right. I, I don't understand the difference. Right. If anything, I now have my hands free. I can actually clap happy birthday. I can, you know, come yep. up and hug. I can do other things that I couldn't do when I was holding a camera and holding a phone around to take the video of it. So I don't know, but there again, that's where those eyes are going to be so important because yeah, I don't want to look up and see my, I don't, we don't, I don't, a kid doesn't want to look up and see their dad with like, you know, uh, just a blank right. expression on their face or yep. whatever. But if they can see the eyes and they feel like it's direction, they know they're looking dad, at you and they know that and I'm like, yeah, you're okay. Well, then that's actually kind of cool. That's actually yeah. better. I think than taking photos another way. So no, I think um, it, I think it can be good. It's just, just going to, I mean, for everybody that says there's no way this will happen and be mainstream, I think you're fooling yourself, right? I mean, it's the same thing. We, it, we've we said it about many other things. There's no way, you know, we would ever walk around with big, huge headphones on, right? Well, we do, <laughs> yeah, we do. right? Yeah. Um, so there's lots of things that I think that have shown that this is, could be the case. Uh, so my, my thought is, and I know we need to, we definitely need to wrap up yeah. uh, soon, yeah, but my, my thought is that the future of this is going to be really important. They've already set up the structure, which I think is really great. It's got the usability. Um, I think if it continues to get smaller, if it continues to get lighter, if it continues to get more battery life right now, I think it's two hours battery life or something. Right. Then all of a sudden, as that starts to work from beta to, you know, to uh, version two, version three, version four, I think you're going to find that that they made well for one they're going to be the the player in town right I mean they they have all these patents that they put in place to make this work every other experience is going to be crappy compared to this one um, now will people experience this because they can't afford it uh, well eventually they will and yeah. I'm I'm with you I think there there's a big push that's going to happen I think in tech manufacturing where people will use this as they work their day because they will see the instructions floating around as they're working with things. It's going to be really, really cool if you can afford it. Yeah. And I think that the well, single individual that has the cash to be able to do it up front and all of a sudden says, as you're right, I do not need a TV on the wall. Why would I need a TV on the wall when I can have my TV everywhere I am in this apartment? I think that's going to be useful. I still think they're going to have to, there's going to have to be multiple versions of this in the future. Like there's going to have to be the sure. entry version, which is just to watch movies and not do work or something like that. Yeah, Maybe, maybe you it can doesn't have the family version, yeah. right? You know, Maybe it doesn't interact with your computer. It can't boo any apps from your computer. Right. It's only for just true like VR, AR type experiences only. Well, and Brian, again, it just, again, I don't want to sound pompous about this, but when the first Macintosh computer came out in 84, it was super expensive 
And in today's dollars, I think it's like seven or eight thousand dollars or something like that. It's kind of nuts. Um, obviously, you know, here we are, you know, 40 years later, Apple did pretty good for itself with both the Mac computer with every other device it's came <laughs> up with. I, I I get people say, yeah, it's expensive. And I agree, it is expensive. It's more expensive than I would like for it to be, but it is it's expensive. But I also think, you know, if this is a product class where it is a true computing experience, you if you don't actually need another computer, if you don't choose to have one, and you don't need a home theater system, and you don't need a, an entertainment system to play a, a virtual experiences on, or all these other things, or if you use it as a work computer, all of a sudden you start putting all these use cases together. It starts to justify the cost. I'm not yeah. saying I'm happy with the cost, but I'm saying at least I feel like it's more justified than some other products I've seen Apple come out with where I'm just like, oh, why is that so expensive? You know, they just jack that price up because they know they can. Yeah. Here, I mean, look, I just feel like there's a, so much technology here. I'm actually kind of surprised it's $3,500. I mean, I still, it's still more than I want to spend for it, but man. Yeah, the price, the really, price nice really didn't surprise me. The price really didn't surprise me that much because I yeah. also felt like, and this is, I mean, this is round one for this thing that, yeah. and the people that are going to buy it are the people that are enthusiasts that are really mm-hmm. going to buy into it. They're going to develop stuff. They're going to engage in it. If they want to make this thing a consumer experience uh, in the future, it needs to get to a, you know, a thousand dollar price point when it becomes a thousand dollars for you to buy one of these headsets that is limited in what it can do, but allows you to have some of these cool technologies. I mean, again, they're going to, they're going to make their money back now. They're going to sell as many of these as they can make initially. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to make that many. And then when they figure out all use cases and all the problems and all the quirks and they start to, to hone it in, then there'll be the pro version and there'll be the entry version. The pro version will allow you to do so much the entry version will allow you to have a lot of these cool things that get developed. And, uh, and at that point, I think it's exactly right. You're going to see adoption that's going to happen. Um, I, I still get nervous about what that adoption is going to result in, in our, in our world. But, mm-hmm. um, but at least I trust Apple in their, in their, um, motivations of this right i do trust them as a company not to say cool we're gonna suck people in and get the no social activity ever again i think this is going to be the hey by the way you don't need a computer you need this thing and you can take your computing wherever you want to go and you can have everything you want i mean imagine just having this in a briefcase and that's it like that's you that's what you need and that's it and you've got your entertainment where you go you've got your connection to video conferencing you've got your your work i mean that's the thing is like if if you know we do it already right we get on a train and we put our head down in our laptop and we're not engaging Mm -hmm. with the world right well this is going to be a way to engage (laughs) in a more you know vibrant world uh that happens to be there but so anyway i i think there's there's some excitement. Um, like I said, it's got to get smaller. It's got to get cheaper. Um, and uh, and once that happens in about two or three years, then I think it's gonna it's gonna take off, and they will have destroyed the rest of the market of this type of opportunity. Agreed. So agreed. Um, yeah, I am. I'll just say I'm I'm a little giddy, looking forward to it. I've already put my plans in motion on how I'm going to pull this off and do it. Um, <laughs> Have you already clicked the notify me button up in the top right? Brian, 
I really shouldn't say this on a public podcast here, but um, nobody's still listening. So it's okay. maybe there may, I, I actually think I've got a connection now with somebody uh, Apple related that uh, mm-hmm. might be able to get me a good discount on such <laughs> device. So um, yeah, see what I can pull together on that. I'll mm-hmm. keep everybody posted. Thirty four ninety nine, three thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars. But just for cool. the record, my boys both both of my two of my boys that were uh, live at home were watching the keynote with me, and all three of us have started. We started doing our calculations on how can we <laughs> afford all three of us to get one of these. So uh, there's a massive piggy uh, bank now in the house that mm-hmm. everybody has to deposit That's in every right. day for the next yeah. couple of years. So. It's exciting. Yeah. I, I'm, it's cool. Of course, I'm an early adopter on this stuff. I'm geeking out about it. I'm excited. I hear all the concerns. I hear all the questions. Will this be everything I want it to be? Probably not. And I'm sure it's going to have some things that aren't going to work maybe as we hope or as advertised. But I'm still just amazed at the level of technology that's being announced with this and uh, cannot wait to try it out, hopefully in six or seven months' time. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Brian. Well, look, we do need to wrap this up. Whew. We covered a yeah, lot. We do. Yeah, WWDC was a big one this year, so it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait. Of course, all the iOS or system updates, the Mac updates are all going to be sometime this fall. We don't know a date yet, but they're all going to be free updates as long as you have a device that is uh, relatively current and yeah. can support the new updates. Um, the Vision Pro is supposed to be by, uh, what they say, um, Early it's, next it's year. Next year, right? Yeah. Which so. early could be anywhere from January to June 30th. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's exactly. don't know where it's going to be. I think realistically, we're probably looking at spring. If I yeah. had to guess, spring or early summer would be more realistic for it. Um, they're going to keep milking it, building up anticipation until then. So um, we will definitely be talking about it in some way, shape, or form as it gets close to release. Whether we have our hands on one or we just have to kind of feed off everybody else's impressions that gets it. Oh, we'll just pretend, right? We'll make our own yeah. and pretend. Yep. There mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian, if anybody has their own thoughts about the system updates, uh, the developers conference, or the Vision Pro headset, how can they get a hold of us and talk to us about it? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, no, you can email us at info at the mesh.tv. It's I N F O at the mesh.tv. You can also go to our website, um, which we are kind of working to update as well and uh, start progress. to kind of make our, our more Apple-centric uh, version. It's yeah. www.brothers-in-tech.com. All right. Well, All right, yeah, Alan, good to for, see you. Uh, yes, yeah, good seeing you too. Thanks for uh, you know uh, abiding with us over a little bit of a break the last few weeks, mm-hmm. but we are kind of happy to start getting back into the swing of things, especially focusing on Mac, Apple and related technology as we go forward. So we will look forward to talking to everybody next time we get together. So thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, see, it has been a long time. I forgot. <laughs> it's what been a long time. <laughs> Here we go. This is how we close out the show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. 
discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.